Welcome to Misinformation, the podcast for ladies who love cool trivia and sticking it to annoying teams at Pub Quiz. Yeah, hell yeah. We're your hosts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julia. And, uh, you know, <laughs> we're going to tell you a little bit of information about something, something that's near and dear to our hearts. And then we're going to give you some questions at the end to kind of get the yeah. old wheels turning. It's great. Really uh, tune you up for yeah. for your weekly pub quiz. Exactly. Um, as Lauren and I mentioned in our first episode, uh, we play weekly pub quiz on a team with two other gentlemen. Yep. And we each have our own specialties. Yes. Um, and we win a lot. We win a I don't lot. think I mentioned that last no, time. We no. win a lot. We decided to keep the bragging for like the second episode. Yeah. We didn't want to turn you guys off right away. Right. But we now we've hooked you. Yep. So, uh, how was your day, Lauren? Well, I had a very relaxing day. It's a Sunday, so I got a lot of uh, prep cooking done, mm. and um, I watched a lot of TV, Ooh, which is my good favorite TV. thing to do in the summer because I'm an indoor right kid. Now. Yeah, it is. There's it's peak TV right now. It's the golden age of TV. So, uh, is that is that Amazon Prime? Yeah, Netflix. It's all of it. All of it. Great. So my new okay. I don't think I told you this yet, but my new favorite thing to watch on Netflix because I'm a British TV junkie. There's these two British. Well, they're like one is Welsh and one is Scottish, mm. and the Scottish one is called Shetland, Shetland and it's beautiful, okay. Great. lush landscapes, very cold, very is, a lot of. Blue is the light. Welsh one an unpronounceable title with lots of W's <laughs> and Y's in it? As a matter of fact, it's called Hinterland. Oh, well, that's but. It has a subtitle in Welsh, which looks like Igwild. Which I think it could be really <laughs> something with just Y's and F's. Um, and they do speak Welsh in there sometimes. And the pronunciations for certain things. Also, full disclosure, I have to watch it with the closed captioning on it because I'm such an American. Oh, that's okay. But yeah. I can't understand sometimes. Yeah, it's true. I mean, sometimes they even put up in the closed captioning inaudible. <laughs> like, <laughs> even we don't know what's going on. But as a matter of fact, uh, the most recent episode of Hinterland that I was watching um, actually got my wheels turning about my topic this week. Ooh, great. If I can lay it on you. Sure. So there's this one episode where there's murder, of course, and it's this older man and blah, blah, blah. But um, there is a painting or a print of a painting mm-hmm. that was smashed and it's on the ground. And they pick it up and they go, oh, it's Salem. Mm. And I had never, as an art historian, I should, full disclosure, I'm an art historian working in a science museum. So I toil in anonymity. (laughs) Life is a rich tapestry. So I, they said, oh, that's Salem, that's Vosper's Salem. And I said, I have, I have. that spelled? Salem? Like Mm -hmm. Salem, S-A-L-E-M. Um, so of course I immediately pause it and Google what Vosper's Salem Mm -hmm. is and look at a better image of it. And as it turns out, it's a very interesting painting. My eyes uh, have gotten wide. Yes. Your eyebrows are now in your hairline. Um, so it is a 1908 watercolor on paper called Salem by an artist named Sidney Kurnow Vosper. He was uh, an English painter. It is considered the National Painting of Wales. Ooh, a national painting? Yeah, because um, what it does is it depicts a scene within Capel Salem, which is a Baptist church in, um, I'm going to name this town, and I actually looked up the pronunciation. It's Pentra Guinfren. Yeah, doesn't that sound great? Sounds beautiful. It does sound beautiful. It's not spelled at all like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's in North Wales. 
And it's basically, and of course, I'm describing this to you because this is an auditory podcast. So it's an older woman wearing um, the Welsh national costume, which is technically just a giant stovepipe hat with a very wide brim. It's very pilgrim Yes, it's very pilgrim-like. Mm-hmm. And even though this was painted in 1908... Um, the Welsh hat was not worn by women anymore. It was It's a traditional women's Welsh costume. So it's this elderly woman, and she is in the foreground of the painting. She is walking through a church. There's a couple of other people sitting down, um, and she is wearing this very ostentatious shawl. It's a colorful paisley print with um, a fringe on it and everything. So it's supposed to be a depiction of Welsh piety, because they were very religious. Sure. Um, it's a depiction of the Welsh national costume, even though it was kind of outre at the time, outdated by 1908, because it was it was mostly fashionable between 1830 and 1840. But because it was a Welsh national costume, he kind of threw that in there as an anachronism. And it's also a depiction of the devil. Oh. Yeah, you weren't. Re- uh, you wasn't ready that was for that. Happen, I did was you? picturing just like a lady with a shawl it at is. a church, and I was thinking maybe you were going to talk that. It were some cake or something. Yeah, I wasn't ready for cake. the devil. Oh my goodness, no. Beelzebub <laughs> shows right up. There's right L's, away. There's L's and E's in there. Yep. yep. Beelzebub. Uh, so some interpretations of the painting say that it's a depiction of pride because this elderly woman is coming in late mm-hmm. to church. Everyone else is sitting down. Um, oh. She is wearing a very fancy shawl, which was not a depic- not the Welsh traditional costume. Mm-hmm. And the way that her arm is crooked, and I will show you an image, and all of you should actually Google this because it was really surprising. And they mentioned this in the show as well. But the way that her arm is crooked, you can see the face (gasps) of the devil in it. Do you see it? Oh, I do. Yeah. You don't even really need to... So the the fringe is like his beard, and then her shoulder is the top of his head, and then... There is a kind of a blue pattern part that looks like his eye, and there's a mouth and all this stuff. And now I'm now I'm grimacing. Yeah, it's really gross. And then the some of the paisley swirls look like horns in the corner of his. Sure. Yeah, isn't that yeah. cool? Um, so um, it became a very popular painting uh, because of the depiction of the elderly woman and all of the costumes but it mostly became popular because they said that the devil was in it so and this like ran rampant everyone's like the devil's in this painting the devil's in this painting so vosper to his grave said that he did not paint the devil in that it was just that it was just the way that it came out blotchy accident exactly um but being an art historian the death of the author the death of the artist you can't really trust the artist when they say oh i didn't mean to put a devil in like literally the foreground of this like the center of the painting is this devil face with uh the the vhs cover the little mermaid yes they're like i didn't really put a big i didn't put a dick there come on that's a dick come on i mean please disgusting we are unaffiliated with disney we are unaffiliated with disney abc does not pay our any paychecks yeah we don't have any money we can't be bought (laughs) so the the couple of Interesting things about the the people in the painting, they were real people. The woman who was the the main character, her name was uh, Shion Owen. She was an elderly woman who lived in that town where he painted. 
Um, and he complained in his notes, Vosper, Vosper complained in his notes that he had such a hard time painting her because she would like twitch and move and like be all uncomfortable just standing in one place for hours and hours. Yeah. So he had a really hard time folding, like painting the folds oh, of the sure. shawl and that kind of thing. Cause that was kind of what he was really focusing on so much so that he actually got rid of her in like the last fourth of the process and just pinned the shawl to a dummy. And I guess the Baptist preacher did not like having the dummy in the church because he thought that it was like blasphemous in some way. But so he had to like, he would be done painting. He had to get it out of there. Like he could not keep it out of the, out of the, out of the, (laughs) the church. Beautiful. Yes. Mm, The beautiful countryside. Classic. So this is a cool painting. And, um, another way that it kind of became popular was because pr- prints were mass produced very quickly afterwards mm-hmm. because that technology was fairly new. So it really was disseminated very quickly around Wales and soon became the national painting of Wales, much so like, it was like real prints were made and then passed around. Not like somebody saw this painting and then repainted it no. and then like kind of copied yeah. like how things used to work. Exactly. This was like actual prints and they were uh, reproduced so cheaply so a lot of people could afford to have Mm -hmm. a print just like how in America everyone has a picture of the last supper exactly every just everyone the classic American painting (laughs) the last supper by Leonardo da Vinci the Italians the Italian Italians. Americans all have a copy of the last supper in their dining I know I did so the this concept of seeing a face in something is uh, a real thing it's called pareidolia have you heard of this i have not it is a psychological phenomenon where the brain in reaction to a stimulus either like an image or a sound Mm -hmm. um that it perceives a familiar pattern so a good example of this is when you lie on your back on a beautiful day and you see the clouds and you're like oh that's a duck yeah oh it's a puppy that's pareidolia okay because your brain wants to make sense of um, shapes that it sees that are seemingly random. Like mm-hmm. we want patterns. Our brains want patterns yes. really badly. So it's most often seen with clouds, like I had mentioned, but this is also seen with oral stimulus, aural stimulus, your oh. ears. Mm-hmm. So um, a good example of this is the back. We like when, if you run a Beatles song backwards, it says Paul is dead, like that kind of thing. Sure. Um, and helter skelter and all of those things. So, your brain can perceive a pattern and it's usually voices, which is mm-hmm. super interesting um, when listening to music. And this is also apparent with um, white noise, like fans or air mm-hmm. conditioners. A lot of times if you're not paying attention to the sound, you might be able to hear indistinct voices in that kind of random noise. So sure. I do know that when I'm half asleep and my air conditioner is running and it's kind of like being you know grumbly and noisy, I think it sounds like there are people outside of my apartment just like chatting in the parking lot but to the point where I have, yeah, Your brain is making it up. my brain is making it up because that random noise oh. is trying, my brain is trying to like make sense of it, which is kind of cool. Another thing with indistinct but voices, also scary. <laughs> also scary. Well, what's scary is when I was a kid, when I was really little and I would get so sick that I would have a fever, I would hear voices 
when I was like just drifting off to sleep. That's how I get when I know I'm really overtired and I'm drifting off. Yeah, to yeah. Sleep. yeah. So they would get louder and then they get quieter and then the volume would kick up. And that was like terrifying to me. And I don't get that way anymore. Thank God or I'd have to be institutionalized. But that was oh, like. So that thing that I just said, forget that. <laughs> oh, I mean, institutionalized. Yep. No, but that's just your brain trying to make sense of what's going right. on around it. And I'm, and now that I recognize that, I know that that oh, that means I'm about to fall asleep. Yeah, that it's not. I'm I don't tired. think there's anybody really here with. Yeah. Me. Well, I think if you were interpreting it as oh my god, someone is here with me, that's when. Then yeah, yeah send the to the to. asylum. <laughs> send the because I I am a woman. Exactly. <laughs> it's probably your uterus. So, <laughs> so another. Uh, term that you should know that is a subsection of pareidolia is something called meme-to-liths. Meme-to-liths. They are recognizable forms in rock formations due to random processes like erosion and weathering. So there are so many unofficial or official monuments around the world that people call like so there's a very famous the old man of the mountain in new hampshire it's just that Mm -hmm. sheer rock face that really does look like a bearded elderly man but that's just our collective pareidolia saying oh that looks like an old man and because weathering happens across so many hundreds of years we can always see it virginia also has a stony man mountain yes stony man national park Mm -hmm. my family and i spent many (laughs) many hours yeah Yep, I know your family was really into history vacations. Yep. <laughs> it's a painful thing. So um, it's also frequently seen, and this is interesting, with space images. And that lead, frequently leads to conspiracy theories about extraterrestrial activities. Oh, sure. So a couple of examples of this in space. There is something called the Buddha statue mm. on Mars. And I'll see if I can find This is something that you should look up. Everyone should Google pretty quickly. Because... It looks like a giant Buddha, and it is very big. It's, I mean, in for all um, intents and purposes, it's a large monolithic thing. And it's on Mars, and the Curiosity uh, rover in 2014 took an image of it, and people just, like, lost their minds. Well, not people, but conspiracy theorists sure. kind of lost their minds are like this is probably a religious figure from like an ancient yep definitely yes humans were there humans were there or human-like humanoid creatures yeah there is also um the gale crater on mars that is the quote-unquote smiley face that the viking one in the 1970s took a picture of and that's really cool to see because it do- it's a perfectly formed smiley face wow. in the middle of a like a perfectly circular crater and granted i mean if you think about like the drawing of a smiley face it's two dots and then like a curve underneath but it looks so purposeful that it it kind of makes sense that people would be like oh my god you know plus the 1970s were really into smiley faces if i learned anything from forrest gump (laughs) yep that is that is what we have all taken away (laughs) from the classic film forrest gump so the last one, and I'm going to show you this. You may have seen it before. It's called The Face on Mars. Yep. Yeah, it's a mesa in the Cydonia region. Definitely Google Face on Mars. So that was, and I didn't realize this because I remember seeing this recently. That articles were like, it's the face on Mars, and people are freaking out about it. Yeah. But it actually was taken in 1976 by Viking 1. 
And later, and I think this is why there was a lot of coverage in the past couple of years. Later, I think it was, I think it was Curiosity actually, and a bunch of satellites that took pictures of that exact mesa. And it had better 3D images that showed more detail. And it was literally just, it's just like a big yeah. mountain. Like it you don't like see. It looks like a Janus mask. From, Doesn't it? From this picture. Yeah. It looks like, um, you know, in horror movies where they have like hands and faces like Ugh. pressing out of Ugh, like yeah. the membrane, mm-hmm. like the membrane between this, this, this world, world and the others. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, it's cool because it does, you really see the shadow of eyes, a nose, and a mouth. It looks like the mouth is open. All of these little speckles around apparently are um, like misread data. It's like wow. math that went weird. I know. I don't know. It's so crazy. And it tells to trust math. <laughs> I know, right? So um, going back to meme to liths mm-hmm. or mime to liths, I'm not 100% sure what it's called, but it's our podcast. So we can call it whatever we want. So the well-meaning people with new interest in fossils will look through like pieces of it's called chert chert is like pieces of rock that were like flaked off of in another rock How's and that spelled? c-h-e-r-t chert and this is an archaeological term and it was used usually like filed down to make you know a sharpened edge like early peoples would use it as a tool mm-hmm. Um, and chert also you, and it happens everywhere. Like you can find chert literally anywhere in the United States and across the world. Cause it's just, it was a commonly walk used, outside everybody. There's a chert, find some chert's. I just like saying chert's. So if you are looking for fossils, you want to find bones. You don't want to find tools because tools are boring. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times your, your brain, your paradolic brain wants to find patterns in these random pieces of stone that may or may not have been used by early mm-hmm. peoples. And so um, you can pick up chert nodules and these concretions are like holes or and pebbles resembling bones, skulls, turtle shells, dinosaur eggs. And you can find these shapes in these things that are not in fact bones. But you can convince yourself like, oh my God, that's a bone. Yeah. To the point where there was a man... God bless him. This Japanese researcher, his name was Chonosuke Okamura. In the late 1970s and early 80s, he wrote a book called, a ser- actually, he self-published a series of reports. It's not a book. They were called The Original Report of the Okamura Fossil Laboratory. And he described tiny inclusions in polished limestone from the Silurian period, which was 425 million years ago. I didn't realize that MYA was a... Uh, an abbreviation a million years ago. So like CYA is cover your ass. But MYA, <laughs> MYA is, is million years, years ago. ago. Yep. Okay. Do not and neither Everybody the shall meet. remember your abbreviation. Exactly. So he thought that these, because he saw these patterns in these rocks, that he thought they were preserved fossil remains of tiny humans, gorillas, dogs, dragons, dinosaurs, and other organisms, all of them only millimeters long. Like he thought it was just a tiny world and he found them. And he said his claim was, quote, there have been no changes in the bodies of mankind since the Silurian period, except for a growth in stature (laughs) from 3.5 millimeters to 1700 millimeters. Like nothing has changed everybody. I have this claim, except we grew at an incredible rate. (laughs) 
<laughs> he had recently read Gulliver's Travels. Yes. And it just really stuck with him. It, yeah. Lilliput just really Everybody wants resonated. to be a, Yeah. Tiny people. How cute would that be? So, pick him up, put him in your pocket with your pocket tiny dragon. It's amazing he wasn't left out of Japan. <laughs> Japan. Wasn't he? Well, okay. So, little side note. He did, his research earned him an Ig Nobel Prize. Oh, yeah in biodiversity in 1996. So he was, in fact, laughed out of basically science. Like the Darwin Award, but for science. Yeah, except he didn't, you know, they didn't die. Um, another example of pareidolia is seeing uh, religious figures in things. So like, like toast, Cheetos. like Cheetos, like seeing... <laughs> the the Mary Magdalene or not Mary Magdalene pardon me the Virgin Mary the Virgin Mary in a grilled cheese sandwich which was sold on eBay quite a few years ago do you remember that, I do remember that. yeah and then you know images in a tree that was struck by lightning or yeah. whatever you know like in and it's most often in toast I think because who knows because that's what you're looking at in the morning how mad would you be if you paid like nine thousand dollars for a grilled cheese sandwich with the Virgin Mary grilled upon it. And then like your husband came yeah. home and was, was like, like mm. great sandwich. Nom, nom, nom. Mm. I wonder what Not happened to that. Not your best work, honey. Like this is a little <laughs> this is stale. Cold. Why did you? Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I wonder what happened to, I should look it up because that did sell on eBay and there's, and things like this do sell still. Yeah. They seem to make the rounds on the internet and people laugh at it. And yeah. But unfortunately, these things are also very popular in predominantly Catholic nations like in South America. And apparently, ooh, here's a side thing. I read an article today about a guy in Brazil who is sure he is the second coming of Christ. He renamed himself Inri Jesus. Inri Christ, I think that was his name. He has nine followers, five of whom are women. What a surprise. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's just this old guy and he makes everybody wear um, sky blue vestments and he um, teaches from the roof of their chicken house. It's amazing. I'll send you the link. It's, it's really hilarious. So, (laughs) so the other, so the last thing that I'm going to tell you about with uh, the related phenomena of pareidolia is um, European ancient divination practices used, um, pareidolia to their advantage so there was this practice called called molybdomancy and that is um so when you pour molten anything and in Mm -hmm. this case it was tin molten tin into cold water you get like that that lumpy random so and then you take that piece of random cold tin Mm -hmm. and you cast its shadow in candlelight and you interpret the shadow to tell the future or, you know, make sure the crops are good or something along those lines. So this idea of like a shadow person. So when you are in a bright room or especially with candlelight during this time period, there's a lot of shadows being cast. Mm-hmm. It's when a shadow is cast by an object and it looks like a person. It's called a shadow person. And that was usually like an omen of good or bad. Wow. But pareidolia is also what skeptics believe cause people to believe that they, that cause them to believe in ghosts because you can see like the shape of people. And you see this in like a lot of ghost photographs. So it's like, Oh my God, it's the shadow of like a little girl. And it really does like the, it's not, sometimes it's not 
just people being assholes. But our brains are so wired to find familiar shapes that we can really screw ourselves over. (laughs) I mean, it can be dangerous, right? So it can be dangerous in the way that, you know, people are selling their things and making a pilgrimage to a tree that looks like Right. Yeah, the Mary Mary of Guadalupe, and they pray to her, yep. even though it's just some ash, right, or burn marks or whatever. Or people who spend nine thousand dollars on a grilled cheese and have their husband eat it. Mm-hmm. Or people who are like literally scared themselves to death because their candle is like too close to their book, and the pages make it look like a face. So I mean, it's not dangerous in the case of like nuclear war is dangerous, sure, but it's dangerous but, psychologically. Yes, it can sure. be. So that's pareidolia. Wow. And that, um, and uh, I thought that was really cool. And so I kind of went down a wiki hole with that when I looked up Salem. But I highly recommend, can I just make a recommendation? Hinterland, it's so good. Right. Um, the Welsh accent is, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, uh, it's lyrical. Ooh, yes. It's beautiful. The cinematography in both Hinterland and Shetland are incredible. Highly recommend. Definitely watch them, both on Netflix. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. So my 10 questions for this episode is, um, I want to say essential random information. So these are kind of like fun info that when I looked them up, I was like, oh, I should, this is good to know for future episodes and also future pub quiz. Definitely. So here we go. Question number one. Found in a popular mixer for cocktails, what drug was once extracted from the bark of the chinchona tree? Question number two. What is the first of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's five stages of grief? Question number three. What company's tea shipment was destroyed during the Boston Tea Party of 1773? I know you know this, Julia. (laughs) Question number four. What U.S. port is nicknamed the Brick City? Yeah, I didn't know it either. Question number five. What is the name of the divot between the nose and the top of the lips? This is in human people humans number six what is a group of toads called question number seven which u.s state cast the 36th and deciding vote to repeal prohibition in 1933 question number eight what four colors traditionally correspond with first through fourth place ribbons Question number nine, in, in the culinary world, what does MSG mean? What is it short for? And finally, question number 10, what year did the U.S. first host the Summer Olympic Games? Please enjoy this music while you consider your answers.
And now the answer. Thank you, Julia. Question number one, found in a popular mixer for cocktails. What drug was extracted from the bark of the Chinchona tree? Quinine. It is quinine in tonic water, which is my favorite mixer. We do not have malaria because as a of result. Quinine. Yeah, I think it's um, it's synthesized now, right? I think it must be. I would imagine so. It's so popular. Also, it glows in the dark. Not glows oh, in the dark. No, under it, UV light. Yeah, it glows under UV. I'm surprised we haven't used that at the science museum for events. Put it, write it down. Yeah, I'm going to write that down. Yeah. Um, what is the first of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's five stages of grief? Do you know? I do not. It is denial. Because you're at first you're like, no, I, can't believe, I don't believe I don't it. believe. I don't know that. <laughs> you're going to go through all of them. All right. I know you know this one. What company's tea shipment was destroyed during the Boston Tea Party? It's the Dutch East Indies, isn't it? It's the East India Company. Okay. Yes. East India yep. Company. And then it was Dutch East Indies because, mm. you know. Okay. What U.S. port is nicknamed the Brick City? I do not know. Newark, New Jersey. What? Yeah. I didn't even know it was a port city. <laughs> I know, right? Well, it's it's in like that crotch of New Jersey, which is a legitimate term. I'm not just saying nasty things about New Jersey. New Jersey. Yep. Um, number five, you know this one. What is the name of the divot between the nose and the top of the lips? All right. For a second, I thought I knew. And then I was like, no, that might be a part of the male anatomy. So I'm Ooh, not going to no, say, say it out loud. No, say it. Frenulum? Frenulum? Isn't that the name of a company, like a, a TV show? Oh, company? it's Fremulon. Oh, Fremulon. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, you're not too far off. It's called a philtrum. Philtrum. Okay. With a PH. Don't look, don't Google Frenulum at work then. <laughs> Do not Google Frenulum at work. I am going to Google it on my phone though, because now I really want to know what a Fremulum is. Okay. Number six, what is a group of toads called? It's called a knot, a knot of toads. Oh. So for a while um, at work, at lunchtime, we would just look up what group Random names were animals. for animals. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting. Ew. A bunch of mongooses or mon- mongoose is called a business. A business of mongoose. Like one is the CFO. Yep. And one is, you know, one secretary. is in charge of marketing. Yep. Exactly. You got your development. Um, okay. Which U.S. state cast the 36th, 36th and deciding vote to repeal prohibition in 1933? I was surprised by this. I don't know. It was Utah. Utah. Can you believe that? Yeah. They don't even really, like, that's just a bunch of Mormons. I don't think they even drink, right? Apparently, Salt Lake City is a real big party city because oh, that's okay. where the college is where Brigham Young Oh, is. yeah, Brigham Young. Uh, and that's a very liberal city mm-hmm. in within a larger a pretty conservative state yes but i recently heard that that salt lake city itself is pretty kicking did we hear that on mfm on the my Might favorite yeah i think mm-hmm. so yeah because that seems familiar to me as well yeah. okay what four colors traditionally correspond with first through fourth place ribbons is first blue yes yes keep going Yes. Oh my gosh, you're so good at this. No, it's yellow, but you did really well. Okay. Yeah, I did not. I was like, white. I didn't know white was even in there, but I guess that makes sense. I wasn't a 4-H kid or I didn't ride or do any of that stuff. So I imagine those of you out there who are equestrians. They would know. Maybe like flower show. Ooh, flower shows are people who grow big vegetables Mm -hmm. at... 
state fairs. If you have grown a thousand pound pumpkin, please let us know. <laughs> Somehow. So we would like to talk to you. Yeah. I, we're um, going to devote an entire show to your giant Because pumpkin. also we want to know more about the pumpkin regatta. <laughs> so if you have, we have to either grown a thousand regatta. pound pumpkin or have been to the pumpkin regatta. Or please, yeah, dug out. Please a, get in touch with us. Dug out the guts of a giant pumpkin. Put your just lightest friend in it, it and just sailed down a creek or a creek. Anyway. All right. It, number nine. In the culinary world, what does MSG stand for? Or what is it short for? Monosodium glutamate. Very good. Monosodium glutamate. Additive. It is it's an additive. Flavor. It's supposed to make things taste more flavorful. Yeah. It's like, it's a, it's a cheap way of getting that umami flavor. Right. But... Um, I happen to know a couple people who have an allergic yeah. reaction to MSG. Like real bad or- yeah. Well, my friend Maggie would feel her skin crawling. Yeah. She would get really itchy and she felt like there were just ants crawling all over her. How long did it take her to realize it was MSG? <laughs> well, we once got Chinese food <laughs> when I was living in Syracuse and it was like super cheap and she just laid on my futon and was like, I can feel them. They're just crawling up my body. It was terrible. I know. And since then I was like, how about we just avoid yeah. all that? Yep. Let's just make our own food. How about that? Anyway. So, and finally, number 10. What year did the U.S. first host the Summer Olympic Games? That's uh, 1904. Perfect. St. Louis. It, I, I'm going to agree with you on yep. that. Because around that time, they had the St. Louis uh, hosted the World's Fair. The World's Fair, so yeah. things were kind of just like set up. They were already there, yeah. yeah. Well, unfortunately, you know, there was a World's Fair in Buffalo. or a pan. Uh, well, the unfortunate part is coming afterwards. Right. Or the Pan Am Exposition the or something Pan Am like Exposition. That. There were a lot of expositions from like the 1890s up through like the 1920s, yeah. I want to say. Uh, a lot of like uh, technological innovations. Yep. That's when you got like the Crystal Palace in London. Oh that's God. when you had the New York. That's when you had the Chicago World. Yeah. And that Devil in the White City. Homes. That's another topic for another day. Yep. Um, but yeah, in 1901, uh, the Pan Am Exposition in Buffalo, yeah. which... Uh, listeners of the podcast uh <laughs> recognize as the site of the assassination of their 25th president of the united states william mckinley oh my god just the knowledge just rolls out of you just it's amazing well i mean unfortunately there was a lot of buildings built for the pan am mm-hmm. in buffalo and then they tore them all down so there's only one building left from that original wow. like architectural mm-hmm. like and it's the um, Buffalo History Museum. Oh, well, that's great. If you ever, I don't know if you've ever been there, but when you walk in the front doors, it's like beautiful mm-hmm. and palatial. But the floor is um, marble, and it depicts the map of the exposition. Oh, wow! Yeah, it's really that's cool. Great. So you can kind of like walk around it, and you can see where all the buildings were. So it it actually kind of adds insult to injury because <laughs> it's like, oh, these were all these beautiful and wonderful things that were literally within walking distance of this building and instead we've got the expressway oh my gosh so many parking lots but you know they're doing what they can so well anyway this has been another very successful episode another successful episode we learned a lot about netflix shows yep uh we learned about uh welsh uh traditional garb yep um learned about seeing faces in things pareidolia Mm -hmm. um and the you know the stages of grief 
<laughs> Denial's number one. I yep. could not tell you what the rest of them are. The last one is accept- acceptance. Okay. Well, that's. Really so then you just got you three in the middle. To. There's anger in there somewhere. Grief. Is grief in the oh, five stages grief. of grief? <laughs> I think it's crying. Maybe it's crying. <laughs> ah. Well, denial. I'm going to go. Grief, anger. <laughs> grief, acceptance. <laughs> Those are the five stages of grief. Uh, oh, my we goodness. Don't, uh, we don't claim to know everything. No, we do not. Um, I'm going to look that up and uh, we'll have our... We'll just file it away. Yep. For next time. Next time. Well, anyway, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. Please rate Thanks and subscribe. Teachers, Lauren. <laughs> I don't know where you can write and subscribe at this point, but... We'll tell we'll you. figure it out. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, we will catch you next time. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.